Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you. It is currently 1233 in Edmonton. We'll tell you that guests and Oilers Now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Roos Chris is open for takeout and delivery. That is Wednesday through Sunday. Uh, the delivery done through DoorDash. Maggie Taylor and Chef Eltoff will take care of you at Roos Chris. Tell them Oilers now sent you. Elliot Friedman is often our regular Friday contributor to the show. Uh, we've given him the week off. Actually, he demanded it. it. He's in a contract renegotiation with us at this time. We are pleased to be joined in his stead by... Uh, Longtime NHL player, Stanley Cup champion, and now Sportsnet analyst Chris Versteeg, who is our Oilers Now headliner today for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Chris, it's Bob Stoffer. How are you doing? Good. How's it going? Good, good. Thank you for taking time to join us. Uh, lots to talk about. Maybe a couple surprises coming towards the end of the interview. Uh, just first of all, uh, I know people get to watch your work on uh, Sportsnet, but you are also a business net, uh, businessman, and you've got a couple other sort of things, irons in the fire, I guess would be the term for my generation, but uh, maybe you can educate our listeners about a, specifically about an app related to sort of sport that you're working on and or uh, the entertainment industry that you're working with right now yeah it's actually uh it's an app that's designed for the parents coaches and and minor sport athletes as well as fans too so the uh the we have a revolutionary uh tech piece that uh, we believe is going to help uh minor sport um forever and it's going to really change the way how parents and as well as coaches uh, are able to use uh while their phones uh for their kids and, and their young athletes so it's it's exciting times right now and uh, my world of trying to get this application to the market and uh yeah as well as watching hockey and and doing some analysts so a lot of like as you said a lot of irons in the fire and i'm just happy that you brought me in to take over for the elliot friedman today it feels really good well as you know he's one of those plugged in guys in the business he's a great get for our show what's do you have a name for the app what's it called yeah, it's called Clever, K-L-E-V-R. So we're at Clever App on Instagram, and clever.ai is our website. So just releasing uh, newsletters week to week, taking uh, people into where we are currently as a company, as well as to when we hope to launch it uh, for everybody to see it. So, again, it's it's exciting on, all, on a lot of fronts, but I'm really excited about this venture. 
All right. Uh, part of the reason we brought you on is uh, a few weeks ago you were having, uh, there was a discussion about the treatment of today's star players. And, uh, you know, we discussed this privately. I'm from a, a slightly different era, an era in which the star players were protected. You grow up playing against the likes of Todd Ewan, who, you know, is one of the few men, uh, and Todd's no longer with us, but he, he did knock Bob Probert out once in a fight. Uh, Mark Tenorti, one of the toughest defensemen in NHL history. Craig Berube, players of that ilk. You had to be honest, and you couldn't be a rat out on the ice or you'd get destroyed. That sort of type of player has sort of been eliminated uh, from the National Hockey League. And Chris, we're, we're, so in other words, the players can't necessarily always police themselves, and it there becomes, in my mind, uh, a greater responsibility on the officiating. And I don't think I don't think the NHL does enough in, especially in a little of the other sports, in protecting their star players. You have spoken about this. Maybe give your perspective as a former player uh, on this topic. Oh yeah, you think about it. If the players can't police themselves, then who's supposed to police, right? You would hope that the refs, and if the refs can't police it because they didn't see it, who who does that then lie on? It lies on the league to police the players within the associations to make sure they're playing by the rules. So if you have all these guys um, that aren't allowed, that are basically going out and, and taking liberties on these players, and these star players are the ones that sell tickets, right? Connor McDavid, every building he goes to, he sells tickets. Obviously not right now, but people put their eyeballs on the TV to see him. So if these players are out on the ice and they're up for grabs each and every night and you're allowing this, it, it just seems crazy to me. I mean, think of Sidney Crosby, the concussions he's had, the issues he's had with either elbows to the head or cheap shots. These are liberties that he himself couldn't protect himself because he was in vulnerable areas that he wasn't protected then by the league enough. So why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you allowing these players to get hurt, which then obviously would drive down the revenue of the league if they can't have these superstars playing because then people have less eyeballs on the screen and it becomes a less subtractive thing so for me there's so many fronts of this there's a lot of ways to handle it we need to start handling the way you call penalties as malice and reckless uh, a lot of the time we let the reckless behavior off because it doesn't look malicious but it's time that you treat the reckless the same as the same way you treat malice behavior so if someone goes into a situation recklessly and somebody gets hurt you need to hammer down because you need to protect these players. These players are what drives the stock up of the league. This is why people want to watch it. We have the best player since Wayne Gretzky in our game. And you're allowing guys to run all over the ice to hit him from behind. He gets slashed actually first, a pretty vicious slash, and then a knee right after that. And nothing comes of it. No penalties right in front of the ref. These are things that I'm not saying just protect superstars. Superstars need to be protected because they're the ones generally targeted. But in turn, everyone needs to be protected. You all need to feel protected because players, again, can't police themselves. And the league needs to do it for them, so they need to do it. Chris, it's interesting. Uh, the NBA goes out of their way to, to protect their star players. What's traveling for LeBron James is different than the, the run-of-the-mill player. What's considered a hard foul is different as well. In the NFL, they protect the quarterbacks. Uh, that's not how it was in the 70s. They didn't protect the quarterbacks and the wide receivers in the 70s. That's part of the reason why the Steelers, you know, the Steel Curtain was such a dominant defense. Now it's all about offense in NFL and in college football, which is, as you know, has a huge spike of interest in the states uh, specifically as an example in the southeastern conference so it's it, the nhl is almost a contrast lad is there is there too much of an egalitarian nature 
to the to, to the NHL where it's like, hey, uh, we can't be sh- seen as as favoring star players, even though the other sports like the NF- uh, NFL and and the NBA uh, have moved in what many would consider a very progressive uh, manner to protect their star players. You think maybe there's something to sort of how there there's sort of an equal justice for all approach in the NHL. Yeah, well, first off, our approach allows the C player play up to the A level, A player's level of play. That should not be the case. If you're given a God-given talent or you have this uh, ability that nobody else has, but other players are going outside the rule book in order to keep you tempered down, that's not right. You need to, these players need to be on full display. The NBA puts those top players on full display because if you're going to chop LeBron James, he's going to go to the line. If in the NFL you're going to hit Brady in the head, then you're going to get kicked out of the game because of a helmet-to-helmet contact in the NFL. In the NHL, if you hit Connor McDavid when he's without the puck from behind, what happens? It's almost like, well, I went through the hard times back in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s that these players still have to go through them now. Well, why? Why is that the case? You should be protecting these players now. It should not be the case at all. Just because you went through it in your day doesn't mean it's okay to go through it today. So this is what I'm getting to is if we would first off get rid of all the slashing and the interference, number one, and hitting to the head, those two, basically two things combined, that would drive up the level of skill. More players would put on more of a show each and every night because they'd be more protected, and I think it would make the fan base even larger. I, I actually, I believe, I know, I feel it would make the fan base larger just because it would gravitate more eyeballs to the screen because we see what Connor McDavid's skill is, and that's that I honestly would say at 70%, just because he's constantly being interfered, he's constantly being slashed, he's being targeted without the puck. Could you imagine, like, LeBron James, I know he gets targeted, but could you imagine the interfering and the, and the hacking and whacking you'd have to take if you were him, and then he was a lot, he, he couldn't put on a show like he does every night. So this is what Connor goes through on a nightly basis. It's why superstars' bodies wear down faster than any other bodies because of the abuse they take year after year. And it's the other leagues have it right. I'm not saying that I don't want competition. I want battling in front of the net. I still want contact. I still want guys to play with in, in super like high passionate levels of the game. But when it comes to protecting people and protecting the players and allowing their skills to fully flourish, not at 70%, not at 80%, that's what I'm getting to. And that, again, would drive up revenues even more of the league. And it also put it more on display for the world to see it, how actually great these guys are. It's interesting because you guys in Chicago dealt with a guy that I I respected the player, but I didn't like his act. To me, he kind of targeted the Canadian star players to the point that I know Dustin Penner challenged him multiple times to fight for fighting all his friends. And that was David Backus. David Backus was a guy that would go after Jonathan Taze and try to get him in a fight. And he'd go after, you know... Getzlaff and Getzlaff can look after himself. He's a huge man, but I just remember when Brent Seabrook took care of business against, uh, and and that had to be kind of. And you played with Brent in Lethbridge. That that you know that was the nature of the response at that time. If that happened today, there would be a lengthy a lengthier suspension for Seabrook for having to sort of go to that level. And it, I, it, think back to what happened with McDavid against uh, Ryan Kessler in the 2017 playoffs. And, you know, the can opener basically for half the shift on the ice, and they refused to call it. Oilers lost that series in seven games against Anaheim. They call a couple more penalties at certain times. You might have had a different end result, Chris. 
A hundred percent. Yeah. And I mean, those are the, I'm fine with going through those times that I played in, you know, that was just the, that was just the way it was. You had to battle through a lot. You had to get punched in the face after shifts. That was the sign of the times. But again, the way this, the, the game is going, the amount of skill the players have, they need to be put on full display. It can't be like Ryan Kessler, like you said, going, putting your stick through your legs and driving, you know, the level of the game down because that's how he's going to be able to play up to the level of Connor. That stuff just can't happen. It happened in 2016 and 17, like you talked about. Now we know where the league's going. We see the young players coming in. We see where it should be. Now put, the rules in place that'll protect them and again I'll let them flourish i just i understood i have no problem of playing that way in those days and i and i love playing hard i love you know giving a hit and taking a hit but i just I, man when you see these guys skill it's unbelievable and, and and again i we're only seeing a little bit of it because of the rules that they're allowed to play with within the game See, people sit here, and if they're fans of other teams, listening to Oilers now, we're joined by longtime NHLer Christopher Stieg, now doing some work with Sportsnet, Bob Stoffer with you. They're like, well, Stoffer, you know, you're an Oiler homer, you work for the team, you guys benefited, you fluked off, you won a lottery, you got Connor McDavid, and then Dreisaitl turned out to be way better, uh, you know, than everybody thought. Just a thought on Leon. Uh, there was an exchange against Montreal. It was almost like, and I respect, Shea Weber's been a great defenseman for a long time, but it was like he had diplomatic immunity in that game on uh, Wednesday. He cross-checked Dreisaitl four times in the course of the game. In uh, Once in the spine, uh, once in the neck, twice in the middle of the back. And Dreisaitl, you know, tried to give him a shot back, but I, I was sort of in shock that they didn't call. I mean, this is something that they talked about that day. Colin Campbell, who himself was a pretty limited number six NHL defenseman when he played. The Oilers had him in the early 80s. Um, you know, I just found it shocking that they, on a day in which they're talking with the league executives, uh, Chris, about calling cross-checking, that we had a situation like that. Am I looking at it from too Oiler-centric of a position, or should they be making a call in that situation when you have Shea Weber, you know, burying uh, Dreisaitl with four cross-checks over a, about a 35-second sequence? Yeah, and you see one, and you can start to understand how you might let one go, but when it becomes repetitive, where I go back to is, I'm pretty sure that Austin Matthews spine is still dented from Ben Sherratt's cross checks in the home opener. He got like five cross checks and he could barely get off the ice. And it wasn't like the one I was like, okay, one, two, right in front of the ref, nothing, three, four, boom. And you know what I mean? So these, again, back to these star players, they take abuse and, and each and every night they're going to these hard areas to try to score goals. They're trying to put on a show for their team. They have tons of pressure on them. And then you, of course, I, Shea Weber, I've been cross-checked by him. I couldn't get out of bed the next morning. That was from one cross-check. So I don't know how he dealt with like four or five, but you, you, you're okay at the time with the one box out cross check, maybe a battle, but when it's repetitive and then it starts to become, you know, like, man, someone can get actually really hurt here. And, and how's Leon ever going to stick up to, to Shea? There's just no way that's where the refs. I mean, is it just, it's just common sense really that they step in and really try to ease the situation or put someone in the box. Obviously Shea at that moment, um, man, but if, if Leon wasn't built like he was, I'm sure we'd be picking him up in two pieces on the ice.
How uh, how animated were the officials when you played with them? Could you talk with them? Because one of the things that exasperates me now is there seems to be some in the league that do not believe they need to communicate with the players on the ice. I almost get the sense that there are the occasional officials that think they're above the players. Uh, I know as a broadcaster, I'm not above the player. You know, I, I, I'm working because of the players. And I, I just I get a little bit exasperated when I see that. Have you seen a different tone or a uh, different level of engagement? from today's official and maybe even when you played a few years ago? Uh, generally, it's the young officials when they come in. It's almost they come in with an arrogance, right? But for, for the older officials, for the most part, you can talk to them. You can have your, your disagreements with them um, for the most of them, not all of them, but most of them you can have your disagreements. Like, say, Dan O'Halloran, he's a great official. You yell at him. He yells at you. You come back together and you squash it, right? He understands where your point of view is. The young official, too, sometimes they won't want to listen to anything because they almost feel like it's a, I don't know, I don't know what's going on, but they just, they, they need to like basically show you who's boss almost in a sense, right? Um, so that's kind of maybe as a younger official coming in. I, I mean, we, I've, I've had it out with a lot of officials. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, uh, definitely a little bit of a snap show at times so i would be lying to you if i didn't tell you all the officials in the league probably would say that uh, i had it out with them but for the most part all of them or the majority of them were very easy to talk to once once you kind of had it out um, again this is i haven't been in the league for three years i'm sure there's been another influx of refs that have come in uh, younger guys that i don't know so that could be a situation and they're also told to call what they see for me when i look at officials i played in europe i played in sweden there's like that is like all-time worst refing with sweden um R- russia actually had pretty good refing i thought in comparative to sweden and then you come to the uh and then slovakia too not great refing but you come to the nhl you actually do have the best refs they're really good as a whole it's they they just need again if they're if they're calling the penalties as they are just call the penalty that's it if it's a cross check, I don't care if it's an 8-1 game and you're putting the team that has one goal on the power play, put them on the power play because that guy just cross check. You can't you can't they they they're allowed too much rules within the rules of the game, right? And it, for myself, it's just the whole time it's it's just call the game, the refs know the rules and then just tell them to do it. It's they have too much it's too much feel for it, I believe. Chris, one final one for you. Bit of a trip down memory lane. So growing up in the 1980s, there were sort of legendary stories about a guy named Dwayne Hutton. Mike Babcock, uh, Todd McClellan, Ian Herbers, who's coaching at the University of Alberta. Babcock and all three of those guys played with Dwayne Hutton at one time or another. He was a Washington draft pick. And they said he was the most talented player they ever saw that did not make it to the National Hockey League at the WHL. Now, Dwayne had some unique challenges, but he was an immensely gifted player. Like, he just flat-out skate and play. You played with a guy like that in Lethbridge with the Hurricanes that had one of the biggest offensive seasons in a time in which scoring was down a little bit. Jeremy Jackson. Maybe tell our listeners a bit about how special of a player this guy was. This guy was the most talented player I played with 
um, in junior, hands down. Again, he was 20, I was 16. I think he had 105, 106 points in 50 games. He was suspended half the time. Sometimes he was suspended because he didn't even show up to practice from the team. But as as a pure talent, uh, the things he could do on the ice were breathtaking. He's the first guy where I seen he did this thing called around the world. It's all the kids do it today. He was doing this in the early 2000s. He'd get on a breakaway, he'd leave the puck, and he'd put his stick around the puck, and the goalie would go everywhere, and then he'd go backhand shelf. It was unbelievable. He then, then actually, I would start doing it because I learned it from him. But um, man, that guy at the after that year, I was like, this guy is going to be an NHLer. And then I, I actually don't know where he is today. Um, but I know talking with Seabrook, talking with a lot of players that had played on that team. When we all think back of the most talented player we ever played with in junior, it's Jeremy Jackson, uh, hands down. Great stuff. Uh, tell people again about your uh, app that can assist uh, parents and coaches and that sort of thing in sport development. Yeah, it's again, it's cleverapp.com or clever, yeah, cleverapp.ai. And right now, uh, again, we're just a bit of the build phase. We're trying to get it to the market. Uh, again, coaches, athletes, parents, and fans. And this is, uh, we definitely believe it'll be a, a communication tool that can help revolutionize uh, youth sport. Chris, we appreciate you having uh, you taking time to join us here on the show, and uh, we look forward to touching base with you down the road. For sure. Take care. You bet. That is a longtime NHLer, Chris Versteeg. He played 643 regular season games, 900 or uh, 93 playoff games, and was a part of the 2015 Stanley Cup champion, uh, Chicago Blackhawks, and several of you have got... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Something to say about uh, Chris's appearance on Oilers Now today. We'll take a quick time out. It's 12.53 at Edmonton and you're listening to Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 12.56 in Edmonton. This text comes in from Big Al. He says, Christopher Versteeg is a terrific guest, Bob. Any chance of him being a regular on the show? Really enjoyed his point of view. Excellent. He goes, and I 100, uh, 1,000% agree with Chris, says uh, Big Al uh, from Edmonton. Uh, he says, uh, Connor and the players need to be protected. NHL referees must get better if Connor, Leon, or another superstar in any team gets injured. The owners league lose money because fans will quit watching. All owners must press uh, this issue. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Another texter comes in saying, I and many others fully believe the greed of trying to build the game in the United States has the uppers in the NHL pushing for U.S. team success. We know that Gary has passed it down to the refs to allow the North teams to beat each other up beforehand. It's not a conspiracy. It's greed that runs this world. 
Look at all things sports is not immune, not least. Wow, I've never heard that conspiracy theory at all. I think it's, uh, I, I'm sorry, I slightly disagree with the, the, the tax there. I just think Montreal's built a heavy team, and, they, it, you know, that we're bringing this issue up again, and we're building, you know, and that's because of what happened the other night. Uh, Tilas has texted the show to say Montreal is a below average team with a goon like uh, defense. The quality of NHL has deteriorated just like the Habs. Uh, and I hate them both, he says. I don't think the Canadians are a below average team. I think the, any one of the four Canadian teams can get out. I don't think Edmonton has the same depth as a couple of the teams, but the Oilers do have superstar power. That's my own personal belief. Again, you can text us at any time at 780-496-0063. Glenn says, I watched Connor dig into uh, Jake Allen's glove three times after he had the puck under it. I wonder if he went crazy thinking there should have been a penalty there. Probably not. And if somebody would have hit Connor for doing that, you probably would have wanted a penalty. Instead of just watching what happens to Connor, you should actually try watching both teams in one game. You might actually love it. Uh, that one comes to us from Glenn. Glenn is obviously a fan of the Montreal Canadiens. Another texter out of Edmonton says, uh, Colin Campbell is a problem. As a marginal NHL player, he sympathizes with them too much. Didn't he, got, didn't he get caught uh, stating that fans want to see star players fight through the checks when defending uh, goonery and uh, leaks that got out? We'd have to look into that. I know that Tyler Dello actually uh, referenced something involving uh, some calls on uh, Colin Campbell's son, Gregory uh, Campbell. All right, into the orders now. Injury report brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. For every goal the orders score, James H. Brown will donate $100 to 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Here we go. Uh, Oilers today, Jujar Kara skated, so too did Joe Kim Nygaard. I don't know if we've got an official update yet on Zach Cassian. Might be one coming shortly. Winnipeg Jets are the Oilers' next opponent. Adam Lowry is uh, was not on the ice after getting clipped last night. Headshot, uh, courtesy of all people, Alex Galchenyuk. Brendan, anything else you wanted to add here? Yeah, uh, Red Wings captain Dylan Larkin done for the rest of the year with an upper body injury. P.K. Subban has tested positive for COVID-19 and Alex Ovechkin day-to-day right now with the lower body injury. There you go. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. When we come back, Mark Spector for the horses and horse racing Alberta. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.